It's a cornucopia of BBC geek goodness as we review the Dracula miniseries and the first two episodes of Season 12 of Doctor Who. All this and more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 95 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So a lot of BBC to talk about, but before yeah. we get to that, they released a couple of trailers, uh, one that dropped just hours before we started recording, but I did want to talk about the uh, new Netflix Lock and Key trailer that just came yeah. out. Yeah. So, wow, does that look amazing. Right? I, I don't even know how to... You know, not being really familiar with Lock and Key, but it's as if the house with the clock in its walls and a series of unfortunate events like had a baby and it was this. So it's really, oh, it's crazy looking in the effects. It just looks really cool. Well, I mean, it originated as a comic book that was written by Joe Hill. Of course, it has a huge backstory involved with it. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. I forget how many issues the series ran, but it ran for a while. So there's a lot of story to be told in Lock and Key. And it looks like they've cast it really well. And yet, like you say, the effects look amazing. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's going to be an interesting roller coaster ride. It's that it's that line between fantasy and horror that I really that I really like. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's coming out in February. Like so it's just February 7th or something. Really, yeah, so really close. Yeah, yeah, right around the corner. So we'll definitely uh, be able to check that out. And they did drop a trailer, like I said, a few, just a few hours ago, a new trailer for Birds of Prey. Yeah. One I was going to go see it anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have to say the new trailer does have me a little more intrigued for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do get to see a little bit more of the tone of the film. Yes, much more of the other girls. Uh, we get to see the team and, you know, seeing like Cassandra Kane and Huntress and, you know, that that's really exciting to me. Oh, yeah. It's sort of got that Ocean's Eleven feel to it. Hmm, yeah. Or, or in okay. this case, I would say Ocean's, Ocean's Eight. Ocean's Eight, yeah. Ocean's Eight because, you know, you can definitely tell there's a little bit of the Deadpool style humor going to be in this one. I can uh, see that. Yep. That shows in the trailer. And you, you see a lot of that in the uh, in the animated series. So that was one thing that I is kind of weird to me. Of course, they're releasing this movie and they already have the animated series on on DC Universe that I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But everybody that I know who's seen it are just raving about it. Mm -hmm. That's they, what I've heard too. I haven't seen it, but same yeah. thing. Like I said, it's kind of weird that you've put that thing out and now you're going to be doing a movie. Well, of course, you know, at one time they had like four Harley Quinn movies greenlit. Hmm. Of course, one was the Gotham City Sirens film that the last that I heard news wise was that's kind of been put on the back burner, mm -hmm. which I can understand. I mean, there's uh, you're going to have a Harley Quinn overload. I mean, uh, we yeah. get, I mean, we. Suicide Squad 2, you know, will be coming out here in the next, um, I think it's next year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can't do everything, you know, <laughs> you have to, you got to kind of back off a little bit for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say that the trailer's got me intrigued. It's a superhero movie. I'm going. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not a hard sell by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with this. It, it looks like it's going to be a, a fun movie and maybe... A fun movie in the way that I was hoping that Suicide Squad was going to be and didn't quite reach. Okay. And one of the things, too, that uh, I think uh, 
in an interview, Margot Robbie mentioned how this is not going to be like linear storytelling. And you see that in the trailer where you, you see something and then you... you and then she actually says... Oh, I, I tell, I'm telling yeah. this wrong. Let me, let let me, me go me, back. Yeah. Let me go back. Mm-hmm. Which is something, of course, they, they do in the Deadpool movie. Not much uh, fourth wall breaking, but the voiceover kind of, you know. Yeah. And you and you, you get a lot of jumping back and forth, especially in the first one. You know, you have these time jumps and, wait a minute, let me explain to you what happened. Let's go back. You know, things mm-hmm. like that. So so it looks like they're, they're taking that out of the uh, Deadpool playbooks, which I don't have a problem with. Right. So uh, we'll have to check that out. Of course, I've been uh, I've been watching uh, Geek News for any any kind of information we get on the Marvel films. And of course, that is a slippery slope that goes <laughs> right into the Sarlacc pit because <laughs> you get the weirdest, you get the weirdest stuff that comes out. Again, this is all take it with a grain of salt. I saw one article that mentioned that uh, for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, they are in talks with David Tennant to be Nightmare. Wow, that that's a little too fanboy i mean i just that that's too much uh like the the cumber cookies would love it the whovians would love it it's just a little that seems too much like a dream come true yeah uh, it would be awesome i would love it everyone would love it you know yeah but uh it sounds a little too much like a dream come true yeah well i like i said i i saw it one place uh-huh. so but again marvel has always been careful to keep spoilers to the minimum mm-hmm. so all that we really get in the beginning is, you know, speculation. So, mm-hmm. but then you hear these crazy things pop out and I forget what character it was. It was like a, um, son of Voom or I can't remember what the, the name of this character was. They said was going to be in the Dr. Strange movie. It's like mm-hmm. a really, 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 really deep cut that not a whole lot of people know about, which is something Marvel would definitely do. But it's like the director was like, no, we're not doing that. I was like, do I got to, do I have to do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, like I said, that's, you know, um, Marvel, of course, they don't they don't tell you anything. They may let something slip. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a, a leak, but, you know, they'll give you a little hint of something. For example, they have confirmed that Christian Bale is going to be in Thor Love and Thunder. Hmm, okay. Doing what? We, we yeah. Uh, which they haven't said. But, of course, since they haven't said, we get speculation. Mm-hmm. And the number one speculation right now that I keep seeing in places, of course, again, this is speculation because Marvel hasn't announced anything, but they're saying that Christian Bale, the speculation is he's going to be playing Beta Ray Bill, which, um, again, that's kind of a deep cut if you don't know a lot about Thor, but Beta Ray Bill is a horse-headed alien who turned out to be worthy enough to lift Thor's hammer and became uh, an avatar of Thor to, to, to such a degree that Odin made him his own hammer. And so okay. um, uh, the hammer in the comics was known as Stormbringer. So Beta Ray Bill, he's like I said, he's a hor- he's a yellow horse headed alien who has Thor's basically he wears Thor's costume and he has a and he has a uh, hammer. Okay, so we're looking at BoJack Horseman dressed as Thor. Yeah. Okay. Some, uh-huh. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. But that, like again, that's it's all speculation because Marvel, of course, isn't saying saying a damn thing. But again, when you get into those situations, you know, it's uh, when you don't have information of course people uh, make it up people yeah people will fill the void and again you know it can be very treacherous when you're going over geek news like i am you see these clickbaity titles you mm-hmm. know and you you're like what the heck is this and you have to then you have to start doing your research because you know again you get all this kind of crazy stuff that 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 comes up and all this wild speculation but of course, the minute the Marvel announces anything concrete, you know, we'll definitely be talking about it. 
I did want to talk a little bit of comic book stuff because I, and I wanted to mention this because I, I know you don't read a lot of comics, Mm-mm. but this might be something that you decide you want to read. It hit the stands January the 7th. Mm-hmm. In time for his 73rd birthday, Insight Comics did a graphic novel called Bowie, Stardust Guns, and Moonage Daydreams. Oh, oh! I hope it's the story of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And... Yes, th- that's part of it. Oh, that's uh, awesome. It's, it's, it's biographical. It talks about a lot of the stuff. The uh, The book actually opens with David Bowie announcing the retirement of Ziggy Stardust. But then it goes From back. The Hammersmith into, Odin. Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, it, it talks about that part of it. But then it goes back. It's it's a it's a basically a, a graphic novel that's a, a biography. Wow, oh, and it that's talks awesome. about it. Yeah, so that's out in stands now. But I I definitely wanted to mention that. And I've seen some of the illustrations, mm-hmm. uh, and it I mean the artwork is just amazing. It's Mike and Laura Allred, who did Madman and I Zombie. They're they're doing okay. Uh, Basically, the the credits of this they set it up like a movie. So, uh, Mike Allred is uh, is listed as the director <laughs> and is co screenwriter with uh, Steve Horton, who did sta- uh, Satellites Falling. And so, I mean, it's really Technicolor. It's uh, the artwork is amazing, and uh, again, it it talks uh, a lot about you know David Bowie's early life and mm-hmm. you know uh, different things like. Uh, for example, he they wanted to cast him in Son of Dracula, and he couldn't mm-hmm. do it because he was too busy at the time. But uh, it, so then he did the hunger to make up for it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, it talks it talks about a lot of his early uh, his early life, and of course Ziggy Stardust and mm-hmm. and, and all of that, and the spiders from Mars. But mm-hmm. um, you know how much he has on his brother Terry? That was mm-hmm. a big big influence in his life. Oh yeah, yeah. It just uh, came out, and uh, it's definitely uh, one I'm going to check out, and I, I figure you'll probably Very cool. uh, be checking that out as well. Well, let's talk some BBC, and we we, got, we have to start out with the three-episode miniseries on Dracula, mm-hmm. which I've seen two. I've oh, you haven't seen? Okay. I've not seen the third one yet. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't seen the one where some people say they've jumped the shark, which uh, you've seen the yes, whole thing. I've seen the whole thing. Uh-huh. Now, one thing I, I have to say, though, is I saw where you posted on Facebook and you compared the early Dracula to uh, Judge Valkenheiser from uh, Nothing But Trouble. You made that yes. comment. He looks like oh, the- yeah. He looked exactly. Yeah. Like, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> which, which I have to, I have to say, I was like, Mandy, you made a reference to Nothing But Trouble? Uh-huh. You made a reference to... I'm like, I just no when choice. I just <laughs> when I thought I couldn't fall in love with you anymore. <laughs> oh, nothing uh, but trouble. I still have nightmares about that movie. <laughs> I remember that movie when it was in the theaters. Oh um, wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I remember when it was at the Park Place, uh-huh. and uh, I mean, I have to say, I'm I'm very much into transgressive things, and you know, the fact that. A studio set went to Dan Aykroyd and said, "Hey, whatever you want to do, man." <laughs> you yep. know, which which they did, and I, like I said, I, I enjoyed that film. And then he, even though I guess he called up John Candy and was like, "Hey, uh, how many characters you want to play?" And yeah, well, he Ooh. plays a couple of characters because uh-huh. he plays Bobo also. But you know, the thing about it was, it it was one of those movies you weren't exactly sure what kind of film it was. Is it a comedy? Is it horror? Is it horror? It's a little. I it, I'm still scared of it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, I, I enjoyed it, although I have to say, um, after seeing it, I couldn't eat hot dogs for a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, one of those crazy films. Yeah, things that, that you didn't know were frightening, like a room full of stuffed animals. 
Oh, that's yeah. absolutely frightening. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those films that you didn't realize Demi Moore was in it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, uh, and I'm, you know, I don't know how, uh, how long it stayed on a resume. <laughs> uh, although, like I said, it was, a, it, it, I mean, as a comedy, it worked for me. Like I said, it was, it was a very transgressive comedy yeah. with uh, some serious horror elements in it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely kind of a weird uh, film to watch. But uh, yeah, like I said, uh, the, the fact that you even brought that up as a reference, I, yeah. I admire you even more now <laughs> than, than before. So you saw all three episodes. Three, yeah. So what did you think? Well, I, I don't want to get too spoilery into it, but uh, having known that it was the same people that brought us Jekyll and Sherlock. And, you know, especially when you get into that third episode, you saw this coming. So when people are saying jump the, jump the shark, I don't see that because this is what I was expecting. You know, the way it tells the story, the way it adapts the story is is interesting. And it's, I, I don't want to say a fresh take on it because it's really, I don't know that Dracula really has a fresh take. Is And it's not something that maybe you really want it to have you know like pride and prejudice you know there are like 18 pride and prejudice but love every one of them they're still the exact same right so i guess the perspective at which it's told you know it's kind of told through harker's because it's the novel is very epistolary right right you know it's letters it's things it's different people saying different things and they kind of go with that um, so you, you sort of go back and forth and, but of the three, it's, it is like for me, just like, <laughs> just like disenchantment, this is the, uh, bronze medal of, you know, those three. Um, I think a few years ago, I would have been just over the moon over this. Like, this is awesome. This is amazing. But now that I saw Jekyll and now that I've seen Sherlock, I was like, this could have, you know, I kind of wanted more from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I think that's I, that's mm-hmm. definitely fair. I, I do have to say it was a pleasant surprise to see Dolly Wells as uh, sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, and of course, I saw her from, and again, going back to how much I love transgressive things. Uh, I remember her as uh, a uh, character who uh, the character Dolly in uh, No Fielding's Luxury Comedy, uh, using the same German accent. (laughs) Yeah. You know, she's a painter slash model slash uh, interior decorator who, you know, on occasion becomes vegan, you know, (laughs) Uh uh, in the most inconvenient times. Uh And um, seeing her as... um, Sister uh, uh, Agatha. Agatha uh-huh. Harkness. Agatha Harkness. Uh, no, Van uh, Helsing. Van Helsing. Van yes. Helsing. Uh-huh. Good Lord. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. Van Helsing is a woman in this. So yes. if that's going to, you know, make you make the whiny man babies uh, mad, don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about it is this is, uh, I mean, it's Dracula adjacent, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's not a word for word retelling of the original novel because there, mm-hmm. there are things that are different, certainly. Oh, fair. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, but the... You know the sassy attitude uh, of the sister. You know very much like the like the mm-hmm. character that she yeah. played. In, I love in I love the comedy. the line. Well, they ask her uh, if you don't believe in God, why are you still a nun? And she says, like many women my age, I'm stuck in a loveless marriage for the sake of a Keeping roof, a roof over, over my, my head. head. It's it's beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed it so far. I, although mm-hmm. I have to say, it 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 has uh, f- with a lot of my friends. You know, it's again, which I think is. Uh, you know, it's the mark of good art is that it, you don't get a lot of ambivalent answers. You know, you don't get a lot of reviews that are like, well, it's just OK. Right? Yeah. They either really, really liked it or they really, really, really hated mm-hmm. it. And I think, honestly, it has a lot to do with how 
I think the people who didn't who didn't like it were the ones who were really looking for like a slavish retelling of Dracula, mm-hmm. which is not what you get here. For no, sure. and, and like like I said, because of Jekyll, because of Sherlock, I wasn't looking for that. Right. And you know when Dracula has been modernized, you know it's Dracula two thousand. I think was one right. of them. Dracula Unbound. Yes, you know it's it's the Dracula story just set in modern times. You know it's it's all right. Um, I guess. I, I like what they did with his uh, makeup and style and everything. He kind of goes back to that uh, sort of, I guess, Christopher Lee period. Of, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You can definitely, I mean, the, the Hammer films are obviously yeah. a major inspiration. I mean, just with, you know, when Drac- Dracula goes into his bloodlust and you mm-hmm. see his eyes change, that is directly Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. you know, because that was the same, absolutely the same thing. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I really did enjoy it. And of course, if you're a fan of the BBC and, and of course, Mark Gatiss and uh, Stephen Moffat. Uh, so you haven't seen Mark Gatiss's role yet? No, I have not. Okay. Because okay. I haven't seen the third one Okay, yet. he's in the third one. So I don't didn't know if you knew he was in it or if you knew who he was playing. Well, you know, that's a Mark Gatiss thing is whenever uh-huh. he's he's right, you know, he, he, he puts himself in. Mm-hmm. And But you know, the thing about it is when you have Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, you know, you're going to get little uh, hints of different uh, different things that they've already done mm-hmm. um, i love the sherlock reference in the first episode where mm-hmm. um, did i miss it that was well that was how the sister found mina she had a detective friend in london who was able uh-huh. to track her down okay but that's not the only references another reference was of course the letter that mina sends to jonathan harker and you know yep. the whole thing is if you know the, the the whole comment that she made about you know, hopefully you'll be faithful, but you know, I have a lot of you options. Know, and- <laughs> I have a lot of options. And one of them she mentions is that adorable barmaid from the Rose and Crown, which if you remember the snowman uh, from Doctor ah, Who, that's where that was. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. uh, that was a Clara Oswald. reference. Uh-huh. Clara Oswald yeah. uh, worked reference. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently the Doctor Who universe and the Dracula universe, they they're they're uh, together for sure. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have to mention the one last reference because it's going to lead into the next thing that we talk about was, of course, when we, we wind up on the Demeter, we see Sasha Darwin playing uh, Dr. Sharma. Mm-hmm. And of yes. course, he's in Doctor Who. Um, spoiler the, alert. Spoiler alert. Uh-huh. So since we're mentioning Doctor Who, uh-huh. we might as well talk about the episodes that he were he, that he was in, which mm-hmm. of course is uh, parts one and two of Spyfall. Oh. So. I mean, after all, it is January, so you know what that means, folks. That's right. It's time to talk Doctor Who. What so, the who? That's right. <laughs> and so the first episodes of uh, seasons uh, 11 or 12, seasons 12, mm-hmm. was a two-parter, right. which, of course, this was a complete different take on uh, than, of course, the last season. The last season, they were all self-contained stories. They were all pretty much tied into to themselves and not, you know, there was no overarching story. Mm-hmm. But now, apparently, we now have, we have started the beginning of what's going to be an, uh, an arc over season 12. And so, so as far as uh, episode one's concerned, mm-hmm. of course, there's the one thing everybody talks about, you know, which is the big reveal at the end, which, ta-da. like, ta-da. Uh-huh. So how caught up are you? Let me ask uh, you I've, that. I've seen them both, yep. You're, you're mm-hmm. t- totally caught up. Totally which caught I up. Uh-huh. So 
what did you think of that reveal? I was like, you know, seeing him and realizing uh, what really got me was uh, when he pulled out the matchbox and he opened it up and like it brought about like, oh, classic who. Right. I absolutely remember the master turning people into dolls. That was a, the big thing. And uh, right. so that was that was a nice throwback for classic Whovians. And then. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, more modern. And I love this. I, I, I love this master. He's kind of got that giddiness to him. I mean, I've got my theories about him. Uh, what do you feel about him? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who have been saying that um, it seems like, number one, if he's the uh, if he's the regeneration after after Missy, how did that happen? Because supposedly Missy was flat out just killed. Yeah, that's not my theory. I don't think he is. Yeah. Yeah, because that because it mm-hmm. well, the other part of it that, that doesn't make sense to me is that Missy is a character, there there was an arc, you mm-hmm. know, things had changed with that character. Mm-hmm. And it's like they in that situation they kind of threw it all away. Yep. Which in a way they've kind of done that before with Missy. You know, it's like it seems like when the master regenerates any kind of any kind of arc just kind of disappears which I don't think that they're doing here. I wonder, although it seemed like they were saying that uh, that Missy was the regeneration after John Sims' doctor, I, I wonder if that may may not have been the case. I think this Master O was being absolutely honest when he said, I met the doctor once when she was a man, and I really think that this is one of our earliest sights of the Master, that he is so early in his timeline that this might be only his second regeneration ever. Yeah. And I think this is a very young master and he's got this, you know, this anger toward his parent and very kind of teenagery. He's got this anger toward the rest of the, the Time Lords. And that's why he's still kind of hanging on to this. Everything you've been told is a lie. Yeah. Uh, sort of, you know. One thing I would say that I, I think maybe agrees with your your theory is the TCE, the tissue compressor eliminator that he has, does seem to be a little more primitive than ones we've seen in the past. Mm, okay. So so maybe that that might be that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't seem like as far as the master's concerned that he would be a master, say, after Missy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where he falls in the timeline, there's no telling. Mm hmm. Although there was a there was a moment where Missy Missy did say that uh, uh, he knew the doctor when she was a little girl, and okay. you know when was the doctor ever a girl? So there might be that that situation where huh, uh-huh. you know. So I mean that's there's no telling for sure. But uh, exactly where he fits in the timeline, we don't know yet. But I, I do have to say, of course, you know the two uh, uh, the parts one and two. Of course, the, it was called. Uh, Spyfall as uh, you know a takeoff mm-hmm. of Skyfall, so uh, there was a lot of uh, James Bond type oh yeah um, uh, action in this one, and it's like I said before, you know, a lot of the issues that I had with season eleven, it was like they decided to solve all of them in season twelve <laughs> and uh, those two episodes because, like I said, the funny thing about all of it was it's like a lot of people said, well, you know, it doesn't seem like the doctors ever challenged, and boy, did the doctor seem challenged in those two episodes. And, you know, people had problems with the fact that there wasn't a lot of tie-ins to the classic you know, who to classic who or even Neo, you know, new, new who, new yeah. who, you know, it was trying to be its own thing. And I mean, this definitely goes back into the vaults to to pull out references uh, again. You know, you get a little bit of timey wimey stuff, which we haven't uh, haven't done in a while. The whole mm-hmm. the whole thing about, well, I know this plane's going to crash. So while it's being built, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put all this stuff into it and to make sure that we don't talk fun. to the recording. But of course, going to talk to the recording. That was very Weeping Angels. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. You had that. You you, had, you did have that Weeping Angels reference in there. 
yeah, there was a lot of that really interesting stuff. And of course, we had, you know, in the in the uh, uh, second part, you know, you get uh, a bunch of time travel. Yeah. But uh, I do have to say, uh, Sasha Darwin's take on the master, I'm really enjoying it right mm-hmm. now. I, I, I do. Really I, I like him a lot. And- yeah. I, and I'm, you know, of course, we um, this Sunday, we're going to get a new episode. Where it's going to go, I'm not sure. But, you know, the big thing, of course, is we do get the reference from from the last season, this whole issue with the timeless child, uh, yeah. that that comes back. Uh-huh. And, of course, we also find out spoilers. We did we did warn you there was going to be spoilers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gallifrey's been destroyed again. Again. So it's like. Or has Gall- it? You know, that's the, yeah. the, everything we've been told is a lie, though. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, apparently everything that we know about the Time Lords over the 50 some years that we've been watching Doctor Who, all of it is screwy. We've known that they're they're not what they seem for sure, because, of course, when we first met them, they were supposed, you know, they were the all powerful race of of the galaxy who never interfered, only observed Mm -hmm. and uh, didn't get into trouble. And then there was always these moments, even I even remember back in the fourth doctor with uh, things that would happen where you found out the Time Lords interfered when they shouldn't have, you know, where they think something is dire and they felt justified to do it. So. You could always tell that there were those moments where, well, you know, it was like when they, they took the doctor out of his timeline and sent him to Scarrow to prevent the uh, the creation of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. So definitely the Time Lords, they talked a certain game, but then they acted a different way. But, you know, the thought that, you know, Time Lords aren't at all what people thought that they were. You know, even the stuff we knew in their past was kind of messed up. But the question is going to be this. And as a writer, I'm curious to see where they're going to uh, where they're going to go with this. But something so dramatic something so tragic that you know the master decided to destroy gallifrey over it to burn it down to nuke it as he put it of course he's a villain Mm -hmm. i just gotta think you know if this is an early an early master is this the first time that uh was this gallifrey falls no more you know is this what he's seeing for the first time yeah well that's that that's a Mm -hmm. good question the thing about it is of course you have to understand too and this is this is what's kind of, uh, to me, it's uh, where I want to see where they go with this is because, again, apparently this was something that was so horrible that it broke the master. It's like even he, who doesn't have that much respect for the Time Lords to begin with, that this was this was too far even for him, that he felt like he needed to act because of it. And it's, you know, as a writer... I, I know that if you're going to make that kind of a promise to the audience, man, you got to deliver on it, mm. you know, and it's like, I can't possibly imagine what that is, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm anxious to find out. I'm eager to to see where they go with the storyline, this whole thing with the timeless child, because that was one thing with Stephen Moffat. And I, we've talked about this before. One of his favorite things to do was to set up something and see how he could get himself out of it you know he'd paint himself in a corner he you know like the doctor's name or Trenzalore or something like that and you know something that had a lot of promise story-wise where you were like god i just want to you know what the heck is this all about and then of course he'd have to eventually get himself out of that corner and he didn't always stick the landing let's be honest you know some some of it didn't work out as well and i don't know if chris chibnall was of this uh if he did the same thing where this whole thing with the timeless child was he threw that in there and then he's he's decided to bring this thing back out but you know again he's is he doing a moffat thing where he's painting himself in a into a corner to see if he can write himself out of it 
I don't know if that's what's happening. I don't think so. I think that he's he's got a plan, and he knows what's uh, he knows what he's going to do with this. Now, like I said, this whole idea of you know again the the second destruction of Gallifrey, you know that everything that you know about the Time Lords is a lie, and it's horrible. The truth is 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 way too horrible to bear, even for a villain like the Master. Eventually, they're going to have to let the other shoe drop, and. Can they deliver on it? That's going to be the thing. And I'm, of course, I'll be tuning in to find out for sure. But yeah, I mean, these two episodes delivered a lot of what I wanted to see in Doctor Who. I wanted to see her challenged, and she definitely was. I wanted this. I wanted to see more of the time travel aspect, you know. And we we got it. We got to see some intrigue. We got to see the Doctor get upset finally. Uh, we got to see how the Doctor handles herself when she's out of her, you know. When, you know, she doesn't have all the answers and we got to see a little bit of her dark side as well, which, you know, that was the thing about the doctor, especially in New Who is this whole the darker aspects of the doctor. We're now finally starting to see that in Jodie Whittaker's portrayal of the doctor, which definitely has me excited for sure. So have you seen the trailer for the uh, for the next episode? I don't think I have. Yeah. They find themselves on a resort, a resort planet, and there's obviously something going on in the background. Mm, so Okay. Here's the thing about it also. There was a photo, a set photo that was released that's Graham. Basically, it's Graham, and he's looking at this glowing white cube in the TARDIS, which if you remember from Doctor Who, specifically from the Doctor's wife, these glowing cubes are message cubes from Time Lords. Huh. So is this another Time Lord message cube that Graham's holding on to? It certainly looks like one. Huh. Uh-huh. So... Again, we're like, is this going to be another piece of of this puzzle of what this timeless child thing is? Well, I guess we'll find out. Certainly, we'll see. So, um, uh, the next episode will be coming out uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. and um, once we've seen it, we're definitely going to talk about it here on uh, the podcast. And so, with that said, we come to the end of episode ninety five of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.